Jessica Tandy and Hume Cronin in The Marriage. The sponsors of this program offer no endorsement of the opinions, philosophies, stubbornness, or confusion of the persons represented therein. However, with the conviction that marriage remains the most popular domestic arrangement between friendly people... NBC takes pleasure in presenting by transcription one of the most distinguished couples in the American theater, Jessica Tandy and Hume Cronin as Liz and Ben Marriott in the new dramatic series, The Marriage. Even the most discreet of family men are guilty of tossing out an occasional boomerang, a boomerang known technically as the unwise statement. On the morning after the night before, a man says to his wife, Never again, never again, so help me. An unwise statement. And here's another. If you ever get to New York, be sure to look me up. Well, it was statement number two that came winging back to hit us the other night. Emily and Pete were in bed. Liz was writing some letters, and I was putting a new plug on a light cord. It always makes me nervous to watch someone fiddle around with electricity. Are you sure you know what you're doing? Perfectly. Where did those pliers go? You're sitting on them. Huh? No, under your left side. Oh. I think I'll simplify the wiring in this room. What's the matter with it? Too many long cords twisted all over the place. I wonder why I have so many little bolts. Maybe you should just simplify the toolbox. Uh, ben. Yeah? I think we've got a slight problem we have to consider. What? A telegram that came today. Where? Where is it? Who's it from? My dear, open-hearted husband. It's from that first citizen of Elkhart, Kansas, our beloved but slightly overwhelming benefactor, Mr. Frederick Hetzel. Fred Hetzel? After all this time? Fred Hetzel, after all this time. This is known as an echo conversation. He's going to make his first visit to New York unforgettable for all three of us. Let me see that. Hardware booming, but time called to show you grandkids that Elkhart knows how roar. Signed. Signed, Yowie, old Fred. What are we going to do? See him, of course. For four whole days? Ben, he was wonderful to us. I know. Any Kansan might give you a lift when your car breaks down, but who else would put a stranger up at his house for three days when it turns out that the motor has to be practically reincarnated? He may be a little shocked to see how us grandkids have changed since 1937. Oh, well, I guess the best way to show our gratitude is to let him be nice to us again. Pop! Hey, Pop! Careful, Pete. Clear all wires. Pop, why did some people get mad when President Roosevelt changed the time of Thanksgiving? I thought you were asleep. In school, Miss Whitaker said some people got mad. Why? Well, Pete, it's just that Thanksgiving's something that people like to keep the same way it's always been. The way I'd like to keep the wiring in this room. Oh. Hey, Pop. Go to bed, Pete. It's late. Okay. Good night. Good night, dear. Good night. But, Pop, you've got the radio plugged into the wire that's plugged into the lamp at the other end. Uh. Liz, what's the matter with us? We won't be able to see Fred Hetzel a week from Thursday. Why not? A week from Thursday's Thanksgiving. Then, holiday or no holiday, we can't just ignore him. Uh, unless we happen not to be here. Huh? Mm -hmm. His feelings couldn't be hurt if we'd made plans not to be here. Uh, where could we be? In the country. Why not? 
We bought that place. Why not go out there and have a real old-fashioned Thanksgiving weekend? Kids haven't even seen the house. This is a perfect time for it. You mean go and eat Thanksgiving dinner out there? Sure. And sleep there for three whole cold Connecticut nights? Ben, the place is a mess, and you know it. Well, The Pilgrims, after all, were used to the rugged life. We are not. Well, it's high time the kids had a taste of it. I'm surprised I didn't think of it before. What's Thanksgiving in New York, anyway? Traffic, noise, dirt, a frozen turkey from the supermarket, canned cranberry sauce. Did the Pilgrims have canned cranberry sauce? Don't rationalize, dear. All you come up with is a bad dodge for avoiding Fred Hetzel. Well, if it was any other time, I'd face it gladly. Catch the morning show at the Roxy, visit the Flea Circus on 42nd Street. Ben, Go listen and... to me. I like the idea of a weekend in the country. I really do. But our place just isn't ready to be lived in. I'd be a nervous wreck, and so would you. I tell you, we'll go out this Sunday, just to try it out. If the four of us can't get that house bearable in a day, we're not worth much. Do you really think Pete and Emily would be much help? They've got to learn to work with their hands. I was a city kid, too. Don't forget that. I know. Uh-huh. Dan, it seems darker in here. It does, doesn't it? Let's see. Where does this wire go? Ben, it's all very well to get dewy-eyed about the Pilgrim Fathers, but... Let's try it. And just forget about Fred Hetzel. Well, we'll be back for Sunday night. We could see him then. So we could. Ah! Ben, I think you... Yes, I know. I've blown a fuse. Go ahead. I'm waiting for the laugh. Don't be silly, darling. Did the Pilgrim Fathers have electric lights? At first, Emily and Pete were a little disconcerted by the notion of bringing civilization to the wilderness. But since it was our own wilderness, newly acquired a couple of weeks before, they finally agreed to the experiment. The drive out to Connecticut early Sunday morning was a joy. And the arrival at our ancient, charming, unpaid-for place was ecstatic. Hey, this is terrific. Look at those Kino woods. Those what woods? Kino. It's his word for the week. Mom, next summer can we have a house party? Everybody could sleep on the porch. Pop, didn't you say there was a lake or something? Silly, it's only a pond. Where is it, Daddy? Over there. Hey, Em, let's explore. Sure. Come on. The super chief of the convention. Hey, Hey, you kids. Come on back here. Enter the house. There's work to be done. They were gone. I followed Liz into the kitchen with my tool chest and a can of kerosene to see if I could get the old oil stove working. I couldn't. Emily showed up a few minutes later and began poking around with a broom in a desultory fashion. I went on the warpath looking for Pete, the vanishing American. I felt as if we belonged to rival tribes. What happened was that he found me in a thicket. Pop, what are you doing? You caught her something? Never mind. Now, look, you go right back to the house. Do you remember what I said? Everybody has to help. Sure, Pop. Like I said, I want to help. Come on, then. You know, this place is Keno. Mm-hmm. What do you want me to do, chop down a tree? We'll work up to that gradually. Just start by pulling those vines loose. They keep the back door from opening. Okay, you bet. Sure thing. 
Pete! Hey, Pop, look where I am. Only I can't get down. I told you to pull the vine loose, not use it for a ladder. I got Pete off the roof and put him to work indoors. The attic had a couple of loose floorboards. I handed him a hammer and some long nails and went downstairs to help Liz out with a big, beautiful brass bed. They're in as far as they'll go. Good boy. I'll come up and check. What do you mean they're in? Those boards are as loose as they were before. I meant the nails. They won't go in any farther. The two loose boards looked like a pair of disheveled porcupines, prickly with nails at every conceivable angle, nails that fell out when I brushed them with my hand. The tough old wood had been too much for Pete's way with a hammer. even put up a fight against my own technique, but I made it. Everything all right? Down here, we were sort of showered. With chipped paint. Where's Pete? Daddy, I think I'm going to sleep on this old mattress. It's not so very moldy. Where's Pete? He went to collect firewood. Does he think he can just pick up firewood? Like driftwood on the beach? He took the hatchet. Oh, well, that's just Kino. After the hammer episode, I feared for the wood-chopping exploits of my assistant handyman. I needn't have worried. When I finally found him, after searching for a good part of what was left of the precious afternoon, he was asleep. Asleep under a bush with a handful of sticks cuddled up against his chest. I kicked him. Gently, of course. Oh. Hi, Pop. Hi. Gee, it's kind of cold. I fell asleep. Woodsman, I see that I didn't have to warn you to spare that tree. But these will be all right for kindling, won't they? Peter? What? Where's the hatchet? The hatchet? The hatchet. We can run through that a couple of times more if you like. The hatchet, the hatchet, the hatchet, the hatchet. Well, it was like this. I was exploring, sort of, over that way, and I heard something dripping. Now, in the movie, The Last of the Comanches, when they were all dying of thirst, the Indian boy put his ear to the ground. Till he found the well. Mm hmm. So I started moving my head along the ground. I came to a space where there are a lot of boards on the ground, and the dripping got louder. I pushed one of the boards and. Go on. Well, the hatchet sort of slipped through the hole, and I heard a splash. I looked down, but I couldn't see anything. That did it. We packed up the equipment that was left and went back to the city. Even I was convinced that the old plantation was nowhere near ready to harbor four Marriott's for a whole weekend. Liz was very nice about the whole thing. She didn't needle me. She didn't bring the subject up till just before we went to sleep. Ben, dear. Yes? We could still go, you know. Go where? To our house, just for the day. No. In spite of everything, the kids are crazy about it. It's going to be a wonderful place. Maybe. By 1960. Oh, we could cook here and take the food along. It doesn't mean anything to me. I, I, I don't care if we eat a progressive dinner at the automat. Ben, what's the matter? 
What's really eating you? Our kids. Our children, Emily and Peter. They're, 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 they're spoiled, soft, especially Pete. He is? Why should he be able to cope with the country? It's not his environment. Well, now, there are plenty of things he could have done. Wouldn't you have been excited? Wouldn't you have gone cavorting all over the landscape if you'd never seen the place before? Well, maybe. I, I, but I wouldn't have dropped a hatchet down the well. Thanksgiving Day arrived and was distinctly spiritless in the Marriott household. Liz knocked herself out on the turkey and fixings, but right after dinner, Emily went to her football game and Pete went to his movie. It was entitled Sioux Uprising. I went for a walk in the trackless wilds of Greenwich Village, and Liz took a nap. In the evening, we reconvened, but no one volunteered to share his experiences of the day. After a while, Pete went to bed. Answer, will you, Emily? Yes, Mother. You kidding? Every time it rings, she's there with the speed of light. Hello? Yes, it is. Uh, no, I'm not. I'm her daughter. Uncle who? I think you better talk to Daddy. Liz? No, I'm 15, but... Well, I don't know. Who is it, dear? He says I should call him Uncle Fred. He's at LaGuardia Airport. Fred Hetzel. I'd forgotten all about him. I'll take it, Em. Here. Fred! <laughs> How are you, fella? Fella. What? Tonight. Well, Fred, it's pretty late. Be after 11 by the time you got here. What? Of course I know how to roar. Here, Liz, take it over, will you? Shall I roar? Fred! Fred, it's wonderful to hear from you. Oh, we couldn't tonight. I, I'm dead. But Ben's off all day tomorrow. Oh, we'd love it, of course. I wasn't going to take tomorrow off. I was going to... That, that's right, the whole weekend. No, no special ideas. Oh, you do? Well, we've seen quite a bit, really, but... Oh, of course, Fred. We, we'll be ready. Uh, see you tomorrow, then. Good night. He isn't a real uncle, is he, Daddy? No, Emily. Bogus. He's a very nice hardware man who was kind to your mother and me in Kansas in 1937. He sounds kind of spooky. Don't try to understand, dear. Let's all go to bed. Your father and I have to be in a sort of uh, uh, track meet tomorrow. I don't get it, but, well, good luck. Good night. Good night, Em. Good night, Em. Well, what's on the Hetzel program? Everything. Fred says he's always heard New Yorkers are the last ones to see the sights of their own city. Huh. He's going to make us kids exceptions by taking us on the grand tour. Doesn't he know the kids with kids are exceptions already? We've been everywhere. Obviously not. Why didn't you tell him? Ben, how could we? He's so happy to be here. Does he know where to take us? Well, if not, he'll find out. I have a question for you, Liz. Who's buried in Grant's tomb? On Friday morning, old Fred hit the doorstep. He hardly gave us a chance to say hello. Man, oh man, do I love you both. Well, Don't Fred, start gapping I... now. We'll catch up on the way. You kids are really going to see your own city. Say, have you heard about the stove salesman who lost his nerve when the heat was on? <laughs>
beautiful oriental Chinatown. That's Hong Chi's, you remember? Oh, yeah. The restaurant where Pete got so sick uh-huh. on that colorful oriental apple pie. Ah, this is real interesting. Say, have you heard the one about the refrigerator man who wondered why he always got a chilly reception? <laughs> <laughs> Did they have to make the Statue of Liberty so tall? Then I couldn't even make these steps ten years ago. Hang on to me, dear. Huh? Out of loyalty to Elkhart, Kansas. Sorry they don't let you up into the torch anymore. Boy, is this great for the old leg muscles. So I wanted you to see one place nobody would get to see, even a New Yorker who had the time. There's a friend of mine. He helped me with some tough litigation on a defective storm window case. Told me about this hall of records. It's got property deeds dating from 1653. That's Ed. Ben's a lawyer, too. Naturally, this is a mighty useful place to know about. Are we going anywhere else, Fred? You bet your life. Which reminds me, you kids ever listen to Groucho Marx? We certainly do. Oh, I love that gag of his. You know the one I mean. Tell me, who's buried in Grant's tomb? (laughs) The agonizing day ran out at last and we had a respite A respite during which we had to spruce up for the evening agenda Dinner at a place where we'd once been clipped A so-called comedy we'd suffered through last winter The whole to be topped off with a gay fling at the Latin casino We were dressing gamely I feel as if today were a milestone Like my 70th birthday. A client of mine saw me on that parachute jump. I wonder what he was doing there. Maybe he was being nice to a man who'd once been nice to him in Kansas. (sighs) Well, that does it. What? Shoelace. Go barefoot. Liz? I haven't the strength to answer any more questions, Ben. I'll make it a statement, then. Numbness may save us tonight, but what about tomorrow? No fair. That's a question. Fred said that tomorrow we I were going know, to... I know, I know. Can I come in now? Yes, you may. Where are you going? Everywhere, dear. With this guy? Yes, Pete. Who is this guy, anyway? He's a man of high purpose, Pete. Your mother and I are frailer vessels. Oh. Why didn't we go to the country for the weekend? Like we were going to. You never told me why. I almost don't remember. Well, there was just too much to be done to get the place ready, Pete. I could have helped. Huh? Hey, Em says you went to Coney Island today. Lucky duckers. Yeah, it was Keno. Em says I messed up the whole weekend. You helped, Hatchet Man. You helped. Don't, Ben. I get it. That must be Fred. Ahead of the dot. Are you all set? Never, 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 never. Promptness is a vice. Gratitude is an overrated virtue. Kindness is doom. We go and it is done. The bell invites us. Hear it not, Marriott's. It is a knell that summons us to pleasure or to hell. About the details of the evening, let's just say that it ended at last, somewhat to my surprise ended with Fred's promise to be at our door bright and early the next morning. Liz and I slept right through the alarm. First thing I heard the next morning was voices filtering through the fuzziness. they're tired. Mom usually wakes up the first time you shout. Never mind, Pete, my lad. Let them sleep. I don't mind sitting. 
They make hard cement in your town. How do you like Coney Island? Fine. Fine. I like it fine. Me too. Pop doesn't like it much. He doesn't? No. He used to, but... But what? Well, I guess he's getting older. And he likes to be quiet. Oh. Too bad he didn't tell me. Too bad I didn't take you. Yeah. He likes Chinatown all right, though. Where else did you go yesterday? Well, Statue of Liberty. Again? Uh-huh. Fulton Fish Market. Pop likes to eat fish, but he hates the smell of it. You know something? We weren't supposed to be here at all this weekend. Where were you supposed to be? Well, we've got a Kino new old house in Connecticut, in the country. We were supposed to get it all fixed up Sunday, so we could spend the weekend there. Then how come you didn't go? On account of your Uncle Fred? I don't know. Maybe. Only it's still kind of a mess out there. I sort of let Pop down. I dropped the hatchet down the well. Why did you do that? Pop says I'm not very good with tools. Are you? Hammers and axes and things like that? Am I good with them, Pete? I live by them. I sell them. Hetzel Wholesale has the best line of tools in the country. Yeah? Too bad you didn't come out to the country instead of staying here and running Mom and Pop ragged. <coughs> good morning, Peter. <clears throat> I'll see you later. I was just telling Uncle Fred yes, about... Yes, yes, I heard. Will you go and get dressed, please? <sighs> now, look, Fred... About that foolish stuff that Pete was dishing out. Just nonsense. Liz and I have been delighted. No, be... you haven't. You've been run ragged. And you know something? So is old Fred. I was ready to call it quits after the first night. What? But I didn't want to disappoint you kids. Why? We thought that you were We'd just... all gone right on beating our brains out if it wasn't for that Pete. The one honest, straight-headed character in the crowd. Brother, I can't take the pace in this city. Why didn't you kids tell me you got a nice, quiet house in the country? <laughs> when do we start? Ben and Liz Marriott will be back in just a moment. In the meantime, let us extend an invitation on behalf of our stars, Jessica Tandy and Doom Cronin, as well as the National Broadcasting Company, to all of you to drop by next week at this time for another half-hour observation and transcription of the marriage. Written this week by John McGifford, with Denise Alexander as Emily and David Pfeffer as Pete. Fred Hetzel was played by Wendell Holmes. The Marriage is an NBC Radio Network production directed by Edward King. This is Bob Denton speaking. Tired, Liz? Exhausted. Ah, today was something like Thanksgiving, wasn't it? Wonderful. You know, Peter certainly knows how to handle people. Better than we do. At least friendly Kansans. I guess you'll learn to handle things, too, after a while. What are you talking about? Oh, Fred told me. Pete dropped the rake in the pond. Now, what was he doing, for heaven's sake? Trying to catch fish. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Good night. Good night, darling.
Enjoy NBC Star Playhouse tonight on the NBC Radio Network. Thank you.